It's Loom Group's Andrea Lay. Think Blue Shree. I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom. Melissa Burdick is away this week. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of June 3rd, Shop Talk Europe Week, and it's time for the Fresh Four. For curated news stories from the past week, we find them inquisitively intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Andrea, lead us off, would you? Hello, Fresh Four listeners. Grubhub offers its network of U.S. restaurants directly on Amazon.com and in the Amazon Shopping app. Amazon customers in the U.S. can now order from hundreds of thousands of restaurants in all 50 states with Grubhub directly on Amazon.com and in the Amazon Shopping app. Additionally, as long as a customer remains a Prime member, they can enjoy a free ongoing Grubhub Plus membership worth $120 a year without automatically renewing into a paid membership. Thanks, Andrea. Dollar General Media Network, the retailer's media arm, has partnered with commerce media company Critio to help develop its on-site sponsored ad offerings. The deal will provide brands with access to premium inventory through Critio's self-service DSP, Commerce Max, and DGMN's private inventory via Critio's retailer monetization platform. Commerce Yield, Dollar General, can onboard first-party data in-store sales data and shopper signals to the DSP, helping brands and agencies better reach its base of rural shoppers, the retailer's differentiation in the rapidly growing retail media space. Walmart launches immersive digital shopping experience. Joining other retailers in the virtual store trend, Walmart last week debuted its immersive shopper platform, dubbed Walmart Realm, according to a Wednesday LinkedIn post by Chief Marketing Officer, William White, the immersive shopping experience, lets consumers brown virtual environments and purchase products within them. The virtual store features three digital environments curated by online creators MyFami, Nava Rose, Mackenzie, and Malia. The three sections called The Alternative, Go Chromatic, and So Jelly are Western metallic and sea-themed environments where shoppers can buy home fashion and beauty products. Walmart Realm also includes gamification elements where users can interact with products and have access to giveaways. The retailer partnered with Imperia to develop the digital store. Shree, close it out, would you? All right. Heinz Pickle Ketchup gets digital-heavy campaign for U.S. rollout. Heinz is supporting the U.S. rollout of its new pickle ketchup with multifaceted marketing campaigns, asserting consumers already have an idea what the product tastes like for details. The campaign uses the headline, you can already taste it, alongside visuals of pickles and ketchup on a burger to suggest the idea of a pickle-flavored ketchup isn't as outrageous as it may seem to many of you. The media strategy includes digital video, out of home ads in New York City and Chicago, creative content across TikTok and Instagram and paid social. Street interview-style videos depict New Yorkers describing their generally positive thoughts about the product even before they have tried it. Thanks, Shree. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now, on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Shree Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Shree and Peter. Hello, folks, and welcome to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm that Shreester that Peter talks about that is in La La Land and is going to visit the Hollywood Walk of Fame and look for that star and see if the word Shree is in there. But I did last week, Peter, and there wasn't any, so I don't think there's any point checking. My co-host, of course, is PVSP, the VP of Partner Strategy and Dev at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. Please join me in welcoming the other CPG guy, the man with the velvet and golden voice. And the Peter, I'm going to fill in the dash, dash, dash for you today. The radio amazing face. How about that? You didn't expect that. Mr. 007, also known as The Bond. At the time of this recording, Peter, Super Bowl, two weeks away. Who wins, Peter? Uh, well, I know it's not I know it's not Green Bay. It's not the Pretty Giants. Sure. I, I don't think the Giants are winning. Uh, I tell you who I'm rooting for is free. I'm, you know, I live for four years in Cincinnati. I'm going to root for the Bengals just because they're like 
they're almost they're not quite as bad as the Lions in the history of the NFL, but they're right up there. They've been they're making right the playoffs there. pretty often these days, Peter. But now that I live in Los Angeles, the promise I made to my kids is I'm going to suck it up and wear a Rams hat and a Rams shirt should they make it. But we're one game one game away from knowing what their fate is. Thank you, Peter. Before we get to our guest, let me remind our audience that all of our content can be found easily by visiting cpgguys.com. If you aren't already following this growing family on LinkedIn, all you have to do is go to your browser, type linkedin.com, and in the search box, type cpgguys, and you'll get a blue plus button, which is follow. That way you'll get to see all of the content we produce. The best thing, there is no cost listening into our show. Did you know that we are in partnership with New, the network of executive women. And in the middle of every Wednesday podcast episode is a hidden Easter egg with a message from New. Download, tune in, and listen. Check out newonline.org slash cpgguys with a key message on joining the program. Just one more thing, folks. Peter, hear me carefully. Coming in two weeks, Sarah Alter, the CEO of New, joins us for exciting announcements about what's going on with New and what to look for next. Of course, the CPG guys have gone global. Yep, that's right. We've launched a second podcast across the Atlantic pond called the FMCG guys with our friends Daniel Torres Dwyer and Efron Rosario, who are based out of Europe. They're taking the CPG guys format to the EU and speaking with industry luminaries on the other side of the Atlantic, as I just said. To learn more, all you have to do is visit us at cpgguys.com. Click on the link at the top of the page. Do remember, if you'd like to be on the show and represent your brand or perhaps share your company's vision, all you got to do is drop an email to contact at cpjguys.com. Peter and I have fun on the show, and our podcast attracts so many industry guests and leaders from notable companies and startups. Today, we're especially pleased to have such a guest, a female founder and industry leader in CPG. Disha Gulati is the founder and CEO of Here Here, a specialty marketplace connecting foodies to the next generation of culinary talent. I know I had Peter with the word foodies and next generation of culinary talent. For those that don't know, Peter's actually a great chef. Prior to her foray as a startup founder, she worked in the CPG industry most recently as the head of global analytics for none other than Mandalay's International. Disha also spent time as the vice president of corporate innovation for 1871, one of the largest tech incubators in North America and home to more than 500 of Chicago's early stage high growth digital startups. Join Peter and me in welcoming to the podcast, the co-founder of here, here, Disha Gulati. Greetings, how are you, Disha? Very well, how are you guys doing? We out here in sunny LA, can't <laughs> go wrong with 75. Here in snow-covered Connecticut with 18 inches coming my way, not as nice as Shree. Well, I'm somewhere in the middle in Chicago, we just got eight inches last night, and so it's, you know, it's another day in the city. Chicago, I used to think of it as the coldest place on earth till I visited Minneapolis. Uh, Disha, before we get to the questions, would you please first tell us about where our audience can learn more about Here Here and then a brief overview of what your role is? Sure. Um, you can find us at hereheremarket.com online. Uh, we are a digital first online marketplace. Um, if you so choose, you can also follow us on Instagram. We are hereheremkt on Instagram. Thank you so much, Disha. Of course, we will include hyperlinks to that site address you mentioned in our episode, Digital Liner Notes, your LinkedIn profile as well. So let's get into the show and let's get going. So let me kick it off. And the first customary question we love to know is people's journeys. So we see University of Chicago, Mandalay's Analytics, as I mentioned, 1871 to co-founder. How does this happen? How did this story kind of stitch together? And now here we are, you have an actual marketplace. So when I left Mondelez, what I quickly realized was the, the skills and tools that, that got me uh, to my corporate success weren't the skills and resources that I needed to start a company right from the ground up. Um, I was lucky enough to be in Chicago and uh, to be close to 1871, which, as Sri mentioned, is one of the largest incubators in North America. Um, so I decided to go work for them, actually, uh, to really learn the ropes um, and the ecosystem that was needed to build a, um, a startup. 
Um, I spent 18 months working with them. Uh, my role as the VP of Corporate Innovation was to connect our early stage startups with Fortune 500 companies in the right way, whether it was for acquisition, whether it was for commercial um, arrangements, whether it was for pilots, so on and so forth. Um, and in the process, what I learned is, you know, what are the right kind of attributes that a startup needs to be successful? Um, you know, I started to build my network with other pure entrepreneurs, with VCs, uh, with technologists and started to truly get grounded in the space, which was very different from kind of the background that I was coming from. Thanks for that brief uh, understanding of your background. So now you're at 1871. You're thinking about all these entrepreneurs around me. I'm learning how they're driving success. Now I'm ready to do it myself. Fast forward to 2020, and there's a whole lot going on in your life, right? And there's something about big about to happen with this thing called the pandemic. How was it founded? How did you assemble your team? And was what you launched what we now see today as here, here market. Give us kind of like the whole genesis of from concept to launch. What happened? So very interesting story. Um, we started here, here in late 2019. Um, at the time, it was called here, here app. Um, and we, and we were actually solving a very different business problem. Uh, the problem that we were trying to solve was to help restaurants with optimizing their group dining experience. So everything from discovering the right restaurant, um, that you may want to take your group to, whether it's a personal family occasion or whether it's like a corporate dinner, you know, you would choose a different type of restaurant to making reservations. Most of the online reservation platforms, you know, if you need to book for a party of size greater than eight, they kind of tap out and they're always like, call the restaurant. And then you're back into like the nineties where, you know, someone will call you back and send you a contract. And, you know, it felt like a very inefficient um, kind of value chain. And then, Towards the end of the meal, when the check comes and you have to check, you have to split the check, it's a very awkward ending to what would have been a very nice, memorable meal. So we set out to actually optimize the entire vertical value chain of group dining. So here we are in February of 2020. We launch our MVP with um, a few restaurants here in Chicago. Um, and then the pandemic hits in March 2020. Group dining becomes illegal in all 50 states. All of our partners have closed their front doors. We're dead in the water. We have no business proposition. Um, and so we, we're here in March of 2020 and we're like, all right, it's going to be two to three weeks. I mean, how long can restaurants be closed? In fact, when we first heard restaurants were closing, we were like, there's no way they can close every single restaurant in the city. Uh, but they closed it. And then we were like, okay, max two weeks, the restaurant's going to be closed. And then we're back on track. We have the platform. We're going to be back at it. Let's just kind of bite out our time. And while we're waiting, we reached back out to our restaurant partners and we said, hey, we have nothing going on, as you know. What can we do to help you through this difficult time? And a lot of the restaurants were starting, starting to think about how they diversify their revenue streams. Right. So if you all recall, a lot of them started doing DIY kits. A lot of them started doing virtual experiences. They started to productize some of the most popular menu items on their list. So think of an, your favorite Italian restaurant and they were jarring their pasta sauce or selling their pasta to go that you could make at home. Right. And a lot of our partners started to say, hey, we can make the product but we're not retailers. We don't know, especially digitally, we don't know how to get to our consumer, right? Can you help us? And so that's where truly the Hear Your Markets journey began. We were working in this ad hoc fashion with our restaurant partners, helping them take their physical and digital products to market. And again, this was something we thought we would do in the interim. And when the restaurants opened back up, we would go back to what we were initially trying to solve for, which was group dining. Well, the restaurants really never opened up in 2020, and the number of products that our restaurant partners, executive chefs, mixologists, pastry chefs started to come up with started to grow exponentially. 
So towards the end of 2020, we found ourselves in a place where we were helping run many mini businesses of these culinary creators. And that's when it kind of hit us. You know, food is such a large category on and offline, right? Why is there not a marketplace that's dedicated to culinary creators selling their, you know, again, their physical or um, digital products to consumers? I mean, there's Etsy for crafters, there's Cameo for celebrities, there is, hell, there's only fans for adult entertainers. But again, culinary creators are so big and so many of us. Why isn't there a, a marketplace that's solely dedicated to them? And that was kind of the genesis of Hear Hear Market. So, Peter, the question I have is, when will I see something on Hear Hear that's labeled the Bond Enterprises? Uh, it's going to happen, Shri. Uh, Disha, my idea of a great weekend during my misspent youth in my late 20s and early 30s was going into Manhattan and chopping mise en place at uh, a, you know, what now is a two or three star Michelin restaurant just so that uh, a chef would teach me a particular fish deboning technique or how to make molecular gastronomy. So you, you, this is, this episode is all about me. Forget about it, Shree. This, I'm loving this. This is great. I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> I think the bigger question, Peter, is when are you having us over for dinner? Ah, yeah, exactly. I, I absolutely have to do that. No, my, this, this is, this is my wheelhouse and I'm so excited. Shree, go, go ahead with your, uh, with your question. The marketplace is here now. You've kind of reformulated, reinvented. Who can actually participate in the marketplace and how do they actually enroll? How do they join the marketplace? And then when they want to, how do you help them onboard, aka what support can they expect from you? Yeah. So um, we actually have three types of, we call them culinary creators because they, they come from different walks of life. Um, and, you know, we have three types of culinary creators on the platform. The first ones is who we actually started with, which is the chef entrepreneur. Um, so these are folks who may own or operate restaurants and or they're executive chefs at, you know, various establishments, but have a desire and an aspiration to build their own brand. We, you know, we, we have, um, you know, we have chefs on our platform who have won Top Chef, have Michelin stars, all the way, uh, all the way down to like emerging kind of, you know, chef entrepreneurs who have just opened their very first restaurant here in Chicago, right? So we're here for, for all of them. And as we started to kind of grow beyond our, you know, kind of the OG group that we started with, um, we started to target emerging CPG brands. So another interesting thing happened during the pandemic. A lot of people in the hospitality industry decided not to go back. Uh, you know, the, the pandemic gave them this pause where they realized the industry was was very demanding, right? Uh, Work-life balance wasn't always the best. And as they started to hustle during the pandemic to go directly to their consumer with ready-to-eat meal kits or, um, again, kind of CPG retail products, they just, you know, working out of commissaries or commercial kitchens, they decided this actually could be a way of life. This could be an alternative um, to going back into the traditional kind of restaurant setting. So so we started to actually work with um, a ton of very talented emerging CPG brands. Some of them came from the restaurant background. Others actually were um, home chefs, Peter, um, you know, who saw so much success in their kind of, you know, a cottage way of doing work that they've now decided to take it to the next level and go pro. Right. So that's kind of what we call our second category of um, of culinary creators. And then I would say our third category is small batch artisans. These are people that you would find at your favorite farmer's market in a certain season. They might also be in one or two specialty stores in your town. But you kind of want to like talk about these guys. You want to like share this with all of your friends across the world. Right. But you just cannot get this product to them because you know, by function of them being kind of just in farmer's markets, their reach is very, very hyper local. So those are the three types of um, culinary creators that we are trying to elevate. Um, I will say this, I get a lot of questions about, uh, 
you know, my my sister not makes the best cookies for the holidays. Can she be on your platform? And to that, we say we're not ready for the home hobbyists just yet. Um, our focus, again, is at uh, at the culinary expert level. So you are operating in some kind of a commercial capacity. Sri, I'm not a culinary expert. I just play one on TV and on podcasts. Hey, Can I look for you in the Food Network? You can. Well, you you can. Yes, I'm I'm in the audience. I'm in the audience. <laughs> the the follow up question I think you all had was, you know, once we onboard these these creators, you know, how do we help them? What kind of services can we can we provide for them? Right. Um, and, and I like to think of this again, you know, consulting background in three kind of key categories. One being, um, you know, we, we help them with what we call business enablement tools. One of the things that we learned quickly is these guys are hustlers. This is, this category has so much potential, but they're so underinvested in, right? They have the product ready to go. They, in fact, even have an audience in most instances because they're already doing business on Instagram and Facebook and all of these other social channels, right? So what we help them do is create their digital storefront very, very quickly on Hear Your Market, right from when they agree to be on our platform to being on our platform could be anywhere between one to two weeks, Um we help them in payment processing. We help them with customer service support. Uh, we're basically the front door to their digital marketplace. Um, and so in terms of kind of the time and re- resources they have to expend in creating their digital identity is very, very minimal. I mean, compare that to if they have to create their own website, think through their own SEO strategy, their marketing strategy, and, and so on and so forth, right? This is why a lot of farmers market uh, kind of creators never make it to that next level. The second big thing we provide them with is fulfillment. I mean, your CPG guys, I don't have to tell you this. One of the biggest reasons for cart abandonment is shipping costs. And we're talking about retail CPG products that go for anywhere between $9.99 to like $24.99. You know, nobody wants to pay $10 for a $10 jar of pasta. So what we offer them is this ability to have a unified cart. So if we can fulfill several creators together, provide free shipping after $50 or something like that, all of a sudden the value proposition is very different for the customer. And then the last thing I would say is, and this depends creator to creator, we try to spend, we have over 100 creators on our platform and we try to actually spend one-on-one time with each of our creators to understand like what success looks like to them. And what we'd like to do is give them a path to not only revenue, but to national distribution. Right. So that is through, you know, not just the online platform. We also have a pretty robust corporate gifting platform, which we can talk a little bit more about later. But then we also provide them uh, with the right sort of data and analytics for their growth. This is, again, one of uh, one of the bigger blind spots that they have because they're, again, such hustlers, so busy selling product. They're actually not trying to see who their customer demographic is, you know, what search terms are getting people to their product. So and what search terms should they have on their website so that they can be easily found on the Internet, so on and so forth. Right. And 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 uh, basically what we're trying to do is help them with whether it's expansion, whether it's product market fit, whether it's customer di- discovery. And we try to give them the right set of analytics so they can make adjustments to to, um, I would say, kind of their business plan. Um, you know, we, we like to say we're helping them cross this chasm, which is from farmers markets or their kind of, you know, one stop restaurant here in Chicago, all the way to national distribution, whether that's physical or digital. Sri, do you know what my favorite restaurant is in Chicago? I mean, there are a lot of great restaurants. Do you know what my single most favorite restaurant is? It's in the West Loop and it's called Monteverde. Shout out to my dear friends, Meg in the front of the yes. house, and of course, Chef Sarah in in, in the kitchen, who is uh, a top chef uh, alum. And what I am right now craving the Ragu Napolitana. I, that I ordered it the first time I went there, and it's all I ever order because it's got everything in the dish. So the fact that you carry as one of your creators Monteverde is phenomenal, but... I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a an omnivore. Shri is an herbivore, and 
and Shri's daughter, his younger daughter, is a decided uh, 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 carnivore. <laughs> What's a local vor? <laughs> so a local vor. And, and and to that, and and after you answer that, yes. can you tell me? Because you've you've clearly built a really powerful marketplace, and you got me engaged. Yep. But how do you get a bigger audience than just me by talking to you? How are you building an audience for these creators? Yes. So tell us about the local war and tell us about audience. So okay, so local war actually is a a type of audience that the pandemic created. Honestly, so you know when the pandemic hit and a lot of people kind of moved on from kind of shopping physically in their grocery stores to moving online. And when they got to online, they said, oh, I could, you know, I could buy things from here, but I could also buy it from my favorite chef who's selling on Instagram or Facebook or, or so on and so forth. So this this um, movement of, of local, local wars started to emerge, which is people who have sentimental value attached to places they live in or have lived in. Um, and Peter, you couldn't have given me a better segue because this nostalgic feeling that you have about Monte Verde and Chef Sarah and the pasta that I'm sure you're going to order from our platform right after we get off uh, this recording, right, um, is is exactly the connection that we're, we're trying to create. And oh, by the way, as people kind of create these sentiments, whether it is to their childhood memories or the places they have traveled to or lived in, um, you know, not only do they want to buy these products, they're 100% willing to pay a premium for these products, right? So, um, uh, in fact, studies show they want to pay, they'll pay up to a 60% premium for, um, you know, common things like pasta and such. Not that we charge a 60% premium at all. Um, but, uh, so that's kind of the concept of local where, where people want to support their main street or people want to support up and coming small businesses that they can identify with either because they know them or they have some kind of shared values. Think women owned businesses, think, um, you know, API owned businesses, um, or whatever shared value, clean ingredients, sustainability, you name it. People are actively looking to give their money to brands that they can get behind. Right. So that's kind of the, um, I'll say the the sentiment of local war that we are um, we're leaning into, and I make the joke that you know the local war is also a descendant of the climatarian because that's the other word that uh, that folks have started to use. And climatarians are people that who are changing their eating habits not because they fundamentally have some ethical reason. As in, like, they don't want to eat meat or, or eat a certain type of product. It's because they want to do better for the world and the climate and the environment. They want to practice more sustainability, less carbon footprint, you know, products that are, you know, more kind of farm to table, so on and so forth. So they're changing their eating habits for the greater good of society. Um, and we also lean into climatarians, right? So, um, and, and these are trends that I think were already kind of percolating pre-pandemic. But with the um, kind of abundance of access and, and, and the change that people had, they got so comfortable with, with e-commerce shopping for food products that we're starting to see that people are truly seeking out these brands. Um, and our job at Here Here Market is to make the right connection, the right creator to the right customer, aligning them on values, aligning them on the on the right set of motivations, if, if that makes sense, and kind of giving them that national platform, right? Like, Chef Sarah is a great example for that. What a conversation this is turning into. <laughs> learning, learning Trey, while she was talking, I placed my order for Tour de Chicago. So, actually... Which is a great product group for Monteverde. Oh, so excited. Let me, let me remind our audience that we're speaking to Disha Gulati, co-founder and CEO from Here Here Market, a local marketplace in Chicago. Now, it'll be very unfair, folks, if I don't share my three favorite restaurants in Chicago. So here we go. Number one, Vermilion on Hubbard Street, right next to the Maya Courtyard. But literally my number one. Number two, believe it or not, my youth when I worked for IRI and commuted every week to Chicago from Connecticut, it was the big bowl on Rush, Mongolian barbecue. And um, number three is Spinach and cheese, deep dish pizza at any original Uno's in Chicago. Do you pick the location? Really doesn't matter. So, what about Douay's? Will you go to Douay's across on the, the far corner now? Uno's, I think, rules deep dish only, though. 
we'll have to onboard Vermillion for sure, Shri, and see if Rohini has has a product that we can we can help take to retail. I'm sure there's plenty. I'm sure there's plenty there. But so uh, that which is the next question, by the way, which is how do you go about finding products for the marketplace? Are you? Uh, it's I know it's cold in Chicago, but there's also seven good months in Chicago. Do you are you constantly out and about scouting the right set of products? How do you then select what belongs and what doesn't belong? So great question. Um, so in the beginning, like I said, we started with with the restaurant community, and since then we've grown to include a, you know a ton of CPG brands, uh, food artisans, so on and so forth. And in the beginning, it was hard work um, as we as we you know kind of talk to people convince creators that this was the right way to go and why, you know, kind of building their own website um, and or selling only through one channel, which was like the restaurant window wasn't the right way to grow their brand and their products. Um, but that was in the beginning. And then we started to create critical mass. And um, now I, I would like to say to the power of network and the power of FOMO, um, you know, we actually have creators coming up to us every single day saying how can i be on the on the platform um and in a couple of reasons uh for that right uh, one is that we've been very successful in in building a, a core tight-knit group of creators i mean we didn't realize this and we didn't realize we were building this but there's this grassroots movement where creators want to work together with each other and share resources with each other. You know, things like labeling and co-packing and cold storage, all of these themes come up repeatedly because it's the same problem every single, you know, small creator is trying to solve for, right? So by meeting other like creators on our platform, in fact, complementary creators on our platform, they're starting to enjoy either economies of scale or they're trying to see how they can kind of get together and do this more more efficiently. The other interesting thing that started to happen, which also kind of goes back to, um, Peter, you just bought the Tour de Chicago, which is what we call a creator collaboration. What we also started to see was these creators wanted to come together and work on something that was greater than its parts, right? Um, so, so, so let me kind of bookend this with, the, the kind of the human psychology of, of food, right? Um, food is kind of used in so many different formats. Like you, it's used for sustenance, right? But it's also used for saying, you know, it could be your language of love, right? It could be for saying, I love you or happy holidays or I hope you feel better, right? Um, or food could be used as, as you know, something that you you want to appear cool about, right? You are the first person to have discovered this uh, matcha salsa, for example, or chili oil. These are two trends that we're seeing explode on our platform, right? Um, and so it is the same consumer who's coming back to our platform, but coming with a different hat for a different occasion of purchasing each time. And as we started to share that with our creators, our creators started to come together and create these collaborations, right? So the tiny tour, which for folks who don't know what that is, is basically a little sampling of products that is created by various chefs here in Chicago who run or own restaurants. And we sold, I can't tell you how many of those we sold over the holidays because a lot of people were saying, here's a little taste of Chicago or I'm buying this because I miss Chicago or you know, such and such chef is my favorite chef. And by association, everything else in this basket has to be good because otherwise Chef Sarah wouldn't associate with, with you know, these other creators, right? So so it, it's almost like rising, you know, kind of rising tight makes all boats float. Our creators started to come together and create higher AOV, higher value of, of products. Um, another example that I, you know, just, just happened this week was, you know, we have one of our top selling, uh, granola producers, amazing female founded, uh, company and one of our top selling cold brew coffee creators, um, came together this month to create coffee flavored granola. It is by far the most amazing granola I have tasted. I've actually never tasted coffee flavored granola before. Um, we launched it on the platform yesterday. 
at 7 p.m. yesterday, we were sold out. Um, and, and, and the reason for that was, you know, twofold. One was the, um, you know, the, the, the coffee creator brought their audience. The granola creator brought their audience. They actually have a lot of overlap in, in, you know, who they cater to, right? So they exchanged kind of numbers, so to say, and were very interested in buying the collaboration. Uh, but the other thing that happened is, People bought them in like dozens and half a dozen because this was something cool and unique and they wanted to give it to other people and they want to be the first people to, to find out about it and let others know. Okay, so I'm like live texting with Meg about talking to you on the podcast. We're going to have to, when I come to Chicago next, we're going to have to, we're going to have to break bread at Monteverde because this is so exciting for me. One night right. Monteverde, the next night is Vermilion. Vermilion, exactly. And you can ping me for the Vermilion one. I'll find an excuse. So experienced in classic consulting and a big Fortune 500 consumer packaged goods manufacturer might not provide you with everything you need to drive success at a startup. So there are a lot of bumps on the road. Um Looking back, if you could talk to yourself when you were starting, are there some, there's some advice that you would give yourself when you were first? Well, obviously, like there's a pandemic coming, so <laughs> don't do group restaurant right. uh, app. But beyond that, are there some things around that that you would that you would have recommended to your yourself to develop additional skills or say resources that you would have availed of yourself of more quickly to help you reach your objective in a uh, in a smoother and and faster more scaled way. Yeah, I mean, I I would say, you know, there there first of all kind of at what stage the startup is that you're kind of coming into from corporate really dictates the type of skills, tools, resources that you will need. So I, I tell this to a lot of people, you know, I have these conversations about, you know, need a break from corporate. I've done this for a while. Would love to start something on my own. What do I need to know? And, you know, one of the things I always say is the, the hustle from zero to one is like none other. Um, you know, when, when you're at a Fortune 500 company or a big four consulting firm, you know, the, the brand carries so much weight and clout that when you enter the room, you know, you've already built half of your credibility. When you're when you're the founder of a startup that no one's heard of, you know, it doesn't work that way, and it's a very humbling experience, right? Um, so the the hustle that is needed, right, in the zero to one kind of journey is very different from anything you will likely experience with with uh, consulting or corporate, and you kind of just have to be ready for that. The other thing is you have to know a little bit about everything and. And hold yourself back from going deep into anything, right? Because you just don't have the time, right? And in any given day, I'm like thinking about our sales tax nexus, but also thinking about, you know, what the right kind of atomic network to activate on the platform is all the way down to like figuring out like, do we have enough boxes in our, you know, mini warehouse for the next shipment that needs to go out for subscriptions, right? So you kind of have to hold everything together in your head and and it's all it's always just you that's holding it together or your small very small team right so you have to be ready for that kind of hustle which I, I i think i'd forgotten about spending so many years in corporate the other thing is leverage you get so used to having leverage a team a set of resources that you can reach into technology you know basic things like communication technology that are just available to you when you walk into the door of a large uh, large corporation like none of that is available to you when you're starting a company from scratch. And those are not things you, you get, you're allowed to invest in. You're always short of time. You're always short of capital. You're always short of resources. So my recommendation would be to build a network that you can leverage for free to tap into these resources, right? And be very strategic about how you build this network, whether it is a network of tech advisors, whether it is a network of um, you know, we, we don't have office space in Chicago. We actually work out of our investors offices here in Chicago. And, you know, it's just one more way to leverage into the network that we have. 
right? So, so I would say like really be very strategic about the network you build as you get ready to go into kind of this part of your journey and then get ready to activate it when you're there. Shri, we need to get involved in networks. Do we, do we know any networks? <laughs> I don't know, Peter. I don't think we know anybody, but it's good to, uh, start to get to know people in Chicago. And I'm waiting for that invite to the Vermilion. I know you're going to enjoy this tandoori skirt steak, Peter. That's your dish. I'm 100% sure. Let's talk about branding, creativity. You know, for any market to succeed, the products obviously have to sell. But you just mentioned brand when you just spoke about the difference it does when you're a startup founder and you come with a, um, you know, the halo of a big brand around you. Same rule applies in the marketplace. The brand has to shine. There has to be creativity in content and there has to be some level of advertising. What is your role in that creative community and collaboration that actually can help deliver for all the shoppers that show up on the website? Yep. And, and, you know, and, you know, what is super interesting with food, as you guys know, is, you know, selling food, food is so tactile. You want to taste it. You want to try, you want to hold the bottle. You want to do all of those things and selling it, um, you know, online is all the more harder, right? Like I call it, like, how do you make the person digitally drool? Right. Um, and, and there are a variety of things that we do. Some of them are secret sauce. Some of them are, you know, no pun intended. Um, and some of them are, um, you know, just things we do with our brand, with our photography. So for example, one of the things that we do is we actually, um, photograph all of the creator, uh, products that, um, are on our platform. In fact, it's one of the services we provide because we say now take these consistent images and you're free to use them in all of your social platforms as well. Right. Cause we want people to have this consistent experience no matter where they see the product. Um, the, the other thing I would say is what I was talking about with creator collaborations, right? You know, our brand is as good as the brand of the creators that are on our platform, right? So we are round the clock working with them to, to kind of further their brands, right? They're all, by the way, every single creator that we have on the platform is a micro influencer, right? So our goal is to figure out how we leverage this community of tiny networks and bring them together on our platform so they can be exposed to other creators, so that they can be exposed to kind of other products that, you know, this this kind of community of foodies would be interested in. The, the last thing I'm going to say is, you know, quality actually is really important when it comes to food. And some of the market research that we've done tells us that sometimes direct-to-consumer food websites don't do well because consumers cannot relate quality to one single small creator. But when they come onto the platform and they see a ton of brands, some they recognize, some they don't, they instantly can associate quality to that. And of course, we do our homework to make sure that every single product um, on the platform is a quality platform, uh, is a quality product, right? Uh, but that's a big part of our branding. That's a big part of, um, you know, why customers feel like they can order things. And if, uh, by the way, we've never had, we've had one return in our entire kind of span of existence where someone has said they did not like what we sent, um, what they bought on our platform. One return. That is all. Other than that, every time we've had any feedback, it's been maybe on packaging or it's been on, um, we get a lot of questions around like, this is so amazing. I just bought this or I just got it as a gift. What do I do with it? Or how do I, you know, so recipes and content is a big part of us telling the story um, and a big part of kind of us engaging uh, our consumer. We like to say what we've seen is our consumer comes for the product, but stays for the story and the creator. And our job is to have a big megaphone and amplify that. Thai citrus ginger linguine mm. from pasta pony. Yes. I am. I know what I'm, I can't get that to Connecticut soon enough. Three. <laughs> that doesn't that sound delicious. Don't you just crave that? All right. I get the last question of our conversation here today. Um, we always ask our founders on the show kind of what's next and how are you going to scale this from being about amplifying Chicago local vores to local vores all over the nation. And, and I'll start that by saying, 
even though most of our creators are Chicago-based, our distribution is national. And when we started this, we thought we were building something in Chicago for Chicago. But much to our surprise, 60% of our sales are actually national. So that should tell you something about, you know, people looking for the next good product and people kind of identifying with creators regardless of where they come from. Um, and in terms of what's what's in the works for us, you know, Chicago today and obviously world domination tomorrow. But but in all seriousness, you know, uh, we think we have a, a very good playbook down here in Chicago. Um, we've uh, we've created a marketplace that, you know, continue, that continues to kind of sustain and grow a little bit on its own now, right? So something must be working where creators and customers are repeatedly coming back and 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 engaging with each other. Uh, so our plan is to actually go, grow into the next set of cities, uh, a couple of cities this year. So watch out for that announcement. We'll have an announcement here in the summer. We're just um, scouting cities and, you know, taking in votes. But um, our goal is to go into three more cities this year, uh, which have a similar kind of uh, food scene like Chicago does. Lots of food enthusiasts, um, a big kind of culinary creator scene that's up and coming. Um, again, you know, a lot of a, a lot of culinary talent that was in Miami, in New York, even even in L.A. during the pandemic, went back home, went back to, you know, other places and, and decided to stay and put down their roots. And they're creating these amazing food scenes in these, you know, uh, you know, less talked about, underinvested kind of cities um, that we want to go and, you know, tell people about, discover and, and tell people about. So that's that's kind of our plan for um, for 2022. Uh, and lastly, I would say, if you guys know of any amazing, you know, local brands in your cities or cities that you've lived in or traveled to or chef entrepreneurs, um, we're always on the hunt for for finding, um, you know, talent that we can share with the world. Oh, I know one or 300 famous chefs. Yeah, I can probably direct some creators your way. I think I think we're going to be talking after this, Disha. So all I want, Peter, is a s'more skit and hot chocolate bombs. That will make my that will make my evening. How about that, huh? But uh, let me remind our audience that all our content can be found on cpgguys.com. Of course, there's no cost for listening into this content, but join our growing family on LinkedIn. All you got to do is go to the browser, type LinkedIn.com, go to the browser, go to the search and type CPG guys that easy blue plus button will show up that's the follow button all you got to do is click that and be part of the transformation of the CPG and retail industry to deliver quality products at value for the consumer we are a partner of new and in two weeks we'll be announcing something very exciting along with Sarah Alter the CEO of the Network of Executive Women. In the meanwhile, do join the Network of Executive Women, perhaps as an ally, perhaps as a member. All you have to do is go to newonline.org slash cpgguys. Do remember, if you'd like to be on the show and represent your brand or perhaps share your company's vision, just drop an email to contact at cpgguys. This year, this conversation went nothing like what I was expecting, but we had so much fun and we got so much content. You even drop buzzwords that Peter likes, like micro-influencers, which I did not expect to show up today. And then I learned new words in the culinary word that I've written down. I still want my, like, a little baby. I'm going to throw an amateur hissy fit, Peter, if I can't get that s'more skit. How about you, Peter? I am so excited. Uh, here, Here is bookmarked in my... Uh, on my browser page, I uh, have already ordered something. I'm already texting other people about this, and I can't wait to get to Chicago next. Uh, and Disha, I have got a whole bunch of creators that I'm going to introduce to you that I think could be uh, phenomenal for building out into some of these other markets in particular you're trying to focus on. So looking forward to to helping you in that. This is just a great episode. Shri, I loved it. Tisha, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Peter, as always, my friend, a pleasure doing this with you week over week. Sri, I'm going to see you next week. We're in, a, we're in L.A. We're going, to go out, we're going to break bread together, aren't we? Actually, the day this podcast is received, we're, at, we're going to be dining Asian. 
Does it qualify, Peter, with all those gastronomical magical words the two of you used during the show? Molecular gastronomy. That was a big one, wasn't it, Shrey? What, what, you know what? This, this episode is incomplete without the definition. What does that mean? Well, it's about using uh, particularly uh, chemicals to alter food and make, like, for instance, making, taking mashed potatoes instead of making it the old way where you add cream and you mash it up, you can use some, some powdered yeast and actually break down all the starches and turn it into what is the creamiest mashed potato you've ever had without adding even a drop of dairy to it or using liquid nitrogen. All of this is just, uh, I would say there's a, the, probably the, the foremost authority is a guy named Wiley Dufresne, and he had a legendary restaurant in New York City for many years called WD-50. Um, and uh, that is molecular gastronomy. You and I will work on this. We'll have some fun. I know we love doing our pizza trips to New Haven, but we'll do some molecular gastronomy together. What happened to the days when I could just buy a can opener for a couple of bucks, open a can of soup, put it in the pot, turn the stuff top on, and I had dinner ready. All I had to do was buy some breadcrumbs. I'll, some I'll mail you some ramen, Shri. You'll be happy. There we go. Rio would actually love the gluten-free and pancake mix that I just saw. And all it is is $9.99 curated by Juan Zia Luz Oasis. So I look forward to that we one. Are, we are just having too much fun I'm in this episode, this episode but, but Peter... It's that time of the podcast where I do have to close it out. Folks, thank you for listening in. We'll see you on another episode of the CPG Guys. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.